Welcome, Patriots. We are so glad to have you. We are getting ready to ramp up, which is going to be a, an incredible episode of Raven's Radar today. If it's in your sights, it's on my radar. We'll be airborne shortly. Welcome, Patriots. Uh, this episode we're filming is just prior to Thanksgiving, and it's a good opportunity to remember that despite the struggles, despite the strife, despite the far left, that we have a lot to be thankful for. We have freedom right now. We have the ability to fight for what we want. We have the ability to change what we don't like. And we should remember that, to be kind to be courteous and remember how blessed we truly are despite everything that's going on. So in that vein, let's tackle some of the things that are most prevalent going on in the world today. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I would like to start in traditional Raven fashion with what I am most thankful for, beyond having God in my heart, my family, and this amazing country. I am thankful that Nancy Pelosi is fired. I am extremely thankful for that. We have taken over Congress. Nancy Pelosi has been fired. Is it? Yes. So that is some good news. That is some good news. Let me explain to everybody the gravity of what that actually means. What it means is the Pelosi exodus. What is the Pelosi exodus? It is the entrenched resident swamp mascot of corruption is now leaving. She no longer has the majority, so her endless career, seemingly endless career, air quotes for those of you listening, in politics, which began before the internet was a thing, okay, is finally coming to an end and good riddance. So Nancy Pelosi's career lowlights, as we will call them, include attaining $294 million worth of wealth on what supposedly she makes on a government salary, a servant's salary. I'll let everybody do the math on that. Even if you didn't take taxes, and didn't spend a dime of the money she earned as speaker, you could not amass that kind of wealth. The era of bringing to a vote the bills that her husband can invest heavily in before she brings them to Congress for a vote are over. Also done are to the choice that Pelosi had in her discretion to not add guard or police as requested on January 6th. That's point four. And the fifth most important thing about Pelosi being gone, let's roll the clip. Come. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you very much.
It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. That to me is the low light I want every single patriot, conservative American to pay close attention to. That vile, disgusting, childish behavior is unworthy and unfit from anyone supposedly being third in line to the presidency. It is by far one of the lowest moments in our government for somebody to disrespect that document, that State of the Union, where Rush Lumbaugh was honored, where President Trump was speaking on the state of our union, and it will forever be marred by her little outward temper tantrum. And to that, I would say, good riddance. Nancy, take your vodka, and I guess head back to Jupiter, Florida, a red DeSantis-controlled state. Okay, she doesn't want to retire in one of her own states. She wants the benefits and perks that come with being in a red state. But either way, good riddance. And not a moment too soon. But that's the Patriots, what I want you to see in terms of the progress we are making. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're making progress little by little. So as we drain the swamp, at least it helps to take the plug out first. Also going on right now, everybody's been talking about FTX and the collapse of this cyber currency scheme. So I'm going to call it for Raven's Radar, I'm going to call it uh, the Madoff 2.0 sequel of what happens when we let corruption run amok unchecked. Apparently, in addition to FTX losing billions overnight, they invested heavily in the DNC. Hmm. So we're wondering how much of that made it back to Jupiter, Florida. Not exactly sure, but stay tuned. And in that vein, I want patriots to be keeping their eyes open for what's going on now with all these beta, I didn't say beta, beta tests of digital currency they're wanting to try out. Uh, people have asked me, Raven, what is your issue with digital currency. My issue with digital currency is the same issue I have with all things digital, which is security. Security. If you can not feel it, touch it, and attach it to a serial number like all of our money is, with digital currency, with that going into cyberspace, what is to stop people from inflating that currency, deflating that currency, making currency that does not exist, taking currency out of circulation, and other things that would absolutely annihilate our economy? The answer is, spoiler alert, nothing! <laughs> absolutely nothing. This is a precursor to a social credit system, and it should not be allowed. I just want patriots' eyes open. What's going on and what can we do about it? That's the cornerstone of everything we try to do here on Raven's Radar. So in that vein, let's move on to a hot-button topic right now, which is racial tensions. We have had this pendulum swing in both directions throughout our shared history, and it seems that we are back again on the forefront of the racial powder keg that is awaiting the liberal fuse to set it off. We are at an all-time low and an all-time high for racial tensions. So tackling this today is going to be an interesting, an interesting process because I have someone with me 
who's also on the forefront of this fight. So coming up after the break, the wait is over. We are going to be speaking live in studio with the Chad Jackson, the producer, writer, and contributor to the Uncle Tom 2 documentary that you have to see to believe. Coming up next. Welcome back, Patriots. We are ready. It's go time. We are going to be speaking with Chad Jackson, who is here in the studio with me today to talk about this powerful documentary, Uncle Tom 2. But first, let's start with the clip. When you look at these pictures, you get a sense of what black life was like. Some of them look pretty prosperous. Divine Providence was clearly operating in the lives of black Americans. Throughout history, black folks were honorable. They had integrity. That's what black people were. We were never taught that America was bad and that we were not Americans. We were raised to love America. Protesters topple a statue of Christopher Columbus and hundreds of statues have been vandalized. You see people trying to rewrite history. The American people know these names have to go. Why is that? Whenever you have something to be proud of, people have less of a chance of controlling you. This country is racist from top to bottom, from right to left. And for black people to become a part of that is for them to become, in fact, anti-black and to hate themselves. Y'all my friends! There is no country in this world that a black person would rather be. Unless, of course, they grow up in this country. You broke the contract for 400 years. We then they're fed a lie that is so deceptive. The reason that that lie exists is power. There are certain people who are using the Negro in order to establish that power in Washington. And the Negro is just merely a pawn in a game that's bigger than he is. Woo! That is... That is... That is it right there. That is powerful powerful stuff. For those of you listening at home, you have to watch this video. You have to watch this video. You have to watch this video. Welcome, uh, Chad Jackson. That is an incredible, powerful, that's better than anything I could have ever said. Welcome to Raven's Radar. Uh, Chad, tell us a little bit about the thought, the inspiration for this movie. Yeah, thank you for having me uh, on your show. So off the back of Uncle Tom, which was released in 2020, um, it was a huge success. It did way better than anybody could have expected, including Larry Elder, who's our executive producer. And Larry had the idea of wanting to do a, a part two because a lot of the people who've watched it wanted a sequel to the film. And whenever Justin Malone, who's the director, he's based here in Dallas, invited me to come on board and be a researcher for this film, I made it kind of my goal to not release a film that's going to, in a sense, regurgitate the same old talking points that exist in kind of this 
echo chamber of conservatism, but rather uh, take the audience deeper. Uh, the fact is, uh, you know, as the Bible says, my people suffer for lack of knowledge. Yes. And, uh, you know, to the extent that we as Americans, regardless of what side of the political spectrum we're on, whether you're on the left or the right, uh, we all go to the same schools. We all are exposed to the same mainstream journalism. Uh, we are all uh, under the kind of narrative that's being perpetuated on a daily basis by the mainstream historians. And they're constantly pushing forth a narrative. And so we all start from the same basic preconceived notions. Uh, but the reality is that many of those preconceived notions are false. Uh, they are rooted in more revisionist history and mythology than the facts. And so we made it our goal on the Uncle Tom team to really kind of pull back the layers and and overturn the stones to really see just what of our history uh, do we get wrong? Uh, what what are some of the, the the lies that we on the conservative side of the aisle uh, buy into that causes us to be uh, timid and weak in this culture war that we're engaged in? And the last point I'll make on that subject is in 2016, Trump won. And he, he won to a lot of people's surprise, not to my surprise, but to a lot Nor of people's. Mine. And they say that the reason he won is because of the silent majority. And my question naturally was, well, why was the majority so silent? Why were they so weak and timid and afraid to really stand up and speak up for their principles? Uh, the reason for that is because, again, we've been conditioned to be silent uh, by our schools, by our mainstream journalism. We've been told that this country is racist. We've been told that this country hates minorities. We've been told all these different things. And to the extent that you are that boy and the uh, story of the emperor's new clothes, uh, to the extent that you speak up and say, well, the emperor actually has no clothes on, um, for those who are familiar with that, with that story and that analogy, uh, uh, you can then gain that voice and that footing that you need to fight more forcefully in the cultural war that we're, that we're currently in. I love it. And this is great. And I would like to be able to delve into a few things that as a woman of color, mm -hmm. and as a man of color, that we can discuss that people have questions about and don't feel as comfortable being able to address. The first of which is the title, Uncle Tom. Mm -hmm. I know me personally, I've been called an Aunt Tom, <laughs> an Uncle Tom, a white supremacist and everything else you can imagine. But I want to specifically, what was the thought process in calling it Uncle Tom? featuring the documentary with that term for people who don't know, Uncle Tom is a derogatory term that is given to people of color when we feel we are going against a popular propagandist narrative. So I would like you to speak briefly about the the thought behind mm -hmm. when you were putting this together and, and highlighting this to call it Uncle Tom. Yeah, so Uncle Tom is a feature-length uh, documentary film. Very well done. Um, was uh, was put on the list to receive a, an Academy Award and all those things, and so it's a it's a very serious documentary. Uh, the reason it was called Uncle Tom, and of course you have people like Jason Whitlock who disagrees with this. Um, he thinks it's similar to you know the hip hop industry trying to take back the word nigga, which I think is is asinine. But yes, um, I'm with you. The the point in calling it Uncle Tom is the fact that when it comes to the American black conservative, uh, the black conservative has been falsely represented in the mainstream media. 
and has been particularly falsely represented by black leftists, black liberals who are subordinate to white Marxists. That's it. I got to start. That's the bullet right there. Mm -hmm. That's the bullet. So do I just want to make sure I'm not putting words in your mouth or is the the thought that the loudest voice Mm -hmm. about what minorities need, Mm -hmm. how we move forward comes from people who are controlled by who? White Marxists. By white Marxists. Mm -hmm. And for those also, we're going to bring the history up. Karl Marx was the father of this sort of Lenin, Mm -hmm. Stalin, doctrinesque thing that essentially centers around that the majority of the culture Mm -hmm. is supported by the working class, but should be controlled by the few who need the working class Mm -hmm. to remain the elite class. Three times fast. (laughs) But we basically want to, this is is about power Mm -hmm. and control. And I've been saying this all through the campaign of telling people this is, I can't tell you how frustrating it is for me, for people to tell me. I have very few leftists, mm-hmm. uh, black, white, or any other, that ask me my views on racial tension. They tell me what needs to be done. They don't ask me what I think needs to be done, which is another form of control. If you're telling me how to think and respond to history you didn't share, but for, for the purposes of this, this documentary is done from the vantage point of a minority, mm-hmm. featuring minorities, prominent minorities with the how it started and how it ended. Correct. And I'm going to have you delve a little bit into the into the uh, Marxism element of it. But if this is from the vantage point, it's a racial it defines racial hotbed, how it started, how it's gone, come back surging. And it features a minority vantage point. So, of course, the left hates it. Is that pretty much much. it? But describe for people who don't understand what the Marxist takedown, how this is mentally taken hold. Describe to our patriots what the Marxist element of this documentary features. Yeah. um, Before I enter that in particular, um, I think Marxism is obviously something that we cover in Uncle Tom, too. But it, people don't understand how steeped our current culture is in Marxism or how steep Marxism is in, to our current co- culture, especially in the rhetoric that we use and the language that we talk. I mean, you use the word minority, right? Yes. Um, I don't believe that I am in a, mi- a minority. I believe I'm a minority in the sense of obviously my ethnicity. Uh, people with my skin complexion make up 13% of the U.S. population, but I'm certainly not a minority in terms of my beliefs and uh, my uh, my desire to sustain America and the American idea. That's a great point. If, You're 13% yeah. and at Native American, I'm less than that. Yeah. So less right. than uh, 2% mm-hmm. uh, of the population. But again, yeah. silent majority. And if we're the majority, yeah. why are we silent? Exactly. Exactly. So if you look at this past midterm election, and you look at, you know, down the list, all of the senatorial races, uh, you'll find that it was a very close kind of half and half in terms of the Republican and the Democrat running for these respective offices. Uh, I believe that this midterm election was a kind of war of worldviews uh, over the past 10 years, especially since, I mean, I would say even further than that with Obama's 
election in 2008, um, you've seen a hard shift to the left with the Democrat Party. They've always been leftist. Correct. Um, but you've seen a hard shift to the left. Um, and they are constantly and perpetually pushing wild Marxist leftist ideology. They're doing it in our schools. They're doing it in journalism. They're doing it in a very inundative and pervasive way. And the question then becomes, well, what are conservatives doing in response? Uh, are we holding true to uh, the, the constitutional republic laid forth by our founding fathers? Or are we moving slightly to the left as the Democrat Party is moving hard to the left? Uh, and so these are important questions to ask, I think, to the extent that you have folks like myself and like you who believe in the constitutional republic. I do believe that a lot of people believe that and we're not in this so-called minority that a lot of people think we are, we're in. Um, but when it comes to Marxism in particular, uh, it's important to note that when it comes to black people in the American South, uh, historically speaking, uh, black Americans in the South have always been very faith-based. Yes. Uh, it, it's their faith that drove their entrepreneurship, their manhood and womanhood. It's their faith that made it uh, the case that the average black child was growing up with both a mother and the father in the house. In a God-centered In a God-centered house household. household, yep. Uh, it was the faith that centered and, and undergirded the education that these black youth were receiving that were setting them up for success to the extent where they were going out being productive citizens in this country. Uh, in, our foot, in our film, you can see the black uh, people marching down the street uh, during Fourth of July parades in the 1920s and 30s, uh, with a time where historians today tell us that black people uh, were under the thumb of oppression. Why would such people uh, be having Fourth of July parades? Well, they did it because they, they love this country and this country loved them back, contrary to the prevailing narrative. And so Marxism or Marxists, those who believed in Marxism, uh, wanted to disrupt that. And they wanted to, in a sense, turn black people against the glory of America. And that's exactly what our film talks about. Correct. And on that doctrine, because I know that you've done, you are a researcher by trade. And I want to talk about the fact that this is a very much a Marxist doctrine, the destruction of the nuclear family, the minimization of men in the household, the taking God out of and pledging allegiance to the state. A lot of people don't realize in this propaganda war, the first thing they did was they took out God, but not the pledge. Why do you keep the pledge and take out under God? Because if you take out under God, then you're pledging allegiance to the state, mm. not to God. But that was the cornerstone. I grew up in church. You grew up in church. You know, we grew up in church. And here in the South, church started on Sunday and got out on Wednesday. <laughs> that's how we did yeah, it. Exactly. But that's, are you seeing that that is a Marxist doctrine Okay, is mm. to ignite. Didn't Marx himself say that it was to ignite racial tension? Mm. That was the way to take it down. That was the way to destroy something was to ignite this racial divide. And that is a fundamental element of Marxism. Absolutely. Um, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to Marxists, when it comes to so-called progressives and leftists, uh, they, they need chaos. They need friction to exist in order to be seen as relevant and necessary and champions. Uh, if there's no friction, if there's no chaos, then they have no usefulness. And if there's no emergency, mm. there's no emergency, emergency power needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so these people were very engaged and active and drumming up racial friction all throughout the 20th century. 
uh, a lot of these church bombings that we hear about that were supposed to be the thing that ignited the civil rights movement, you'll find that communists were behind many of these church bombings. You'll find that uh, communism was behind the so-called race massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, where, you know, a lot of Greenwood District, which was, you know, we call it Black Wall Street, was was burned down. Um, and that's good. While you're on that, mm-hmm. I want you to go into, because people don't see the connection, communism. Okay, I said this a lot. You can't say communism. Communism. <laughs> okay, it is communism. That's what it is. But what do the communists gain from being at the center of this, other than the fact that they save a ton of resources by not even having to fire a single shot and letting us tear ourselves apart. But what's the gain? That's a fantastic question. So if you read the Communist Manifesto, you'll find that Karl Marx uh, set himself very adamantly against the idea of Western civilization and of what he called capitalism. He saw capitalism as a cancer and a cancer that he needed to root out, right? And so to the extent, like he calls it capitalism, I call it, you know, free market free enterprise. Free market enterprise, yes. Um, and to the extent that an individual has a skill or a talent and they're able to, um, to put that talent to use, to put that skill to use uh, in such a way that people find you useful and they pay for your goods and services, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's what made America great to begin with. Um, and they have an interest in disrupting that to the extent that they see people who they want to galvanize to be troops in their army, utilizing this free market capitalist system. And so when it comes to black people in the early part of the 20th century, uh, making use of the American system, that became a problem for the communists because they don't want, if I'm an entrepreneur a family man who's taking care of my wife, taking care of my kids, and, you know, have a store on this block in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's, you know, generating jobs and income and wealth and so on and so forth. I don't need a communist. I don't need a Marxist. I don't need the NAACP to come fight on my behalf because I'm doing a fine job fighting on my own behalf, being a good, you know, con- uh, 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 productive citizen. Um and historically, we haven't needed any of these dictators. Right. And we so don't you need at, any of them. No, you're absolutely right. And so if you look at the NAACP, uh, they had a very hard time um, pitching their usefulness to Negroes in the South. Uh, they were not nearly yes. as popular in the South as they were in New York uh, because people were making it and doing it on their own without the usefulness of the NAACP. And, and victimhood. So, yeah, and victimhood. And so this is the very reason why, to answer your question, and sorry for the long-windedness of it, but this is the very reason why the communists saw it fit to disrupt that success that Black people had because they wanted Black people to be successful under the guise of Marxism and not under the guise of the free market enterprise system. And the trigger word being free. The important mm-hmm. thing for people to take out of that is they didn't want us to be free. This is control. Did anybody hear that undercurrent mm-hmm. of control? They are. It's somebody they can control. They want to tell you if you can be free. They want to tell you you can do this. That is the same mentality that people who tell me I'm on the wrong side of history. I don't think so. You know, 267 years later, you're voting for the people that enslaved you. And what's funny about that is if you, Cato Institute did a, a poll in 2018, and what they found is that 64% of Black people favor socialism over capitalism. Um, 
that's higher than literally any other ethnic group in this country. When you look at Hispanics, when you look at uh, Asians, when you look at other ethnic groups, everybody favored capitalism over socialism. Blacks are the only ones who had a majority that favors that favored socialism. That favored somebody else being in control mm-hmm. or partially in control of their own destiny. And that's what we need to take the layers off yeah. that you and I can say that most people cannot. It's also important to remember, you know, we say a lot of times that communist, communist socialism never worked mm-hmm. anywhere it's been tried. Venezuela, it doesn't work. Cuba. Culminating in the fact that Karl Marx died in exile in England, mm-hmm. okay, through a mouth of Germany. So it didn't even, the one who invented this couldn't get it to work. So I want patriots to understand that. I want people of color, white people, this is how we move the needle forward is being able to have this dialogue and talk about these things. And I can already hear the the leftists ready to, okay, but you know, so you think you know better than us what it's like to be a minority, sit down, we got this. Yeah. But this is what people need to hear. They need to hear. So now we know that this is what, and this has been going on for decades. They've been mm. trying to feed this to us a little at a time so we you know don't squawk and push back but what do we need going forward and tackling this what do we need people patriots black people white people all color people to understand about how this has been weaponized against Americans going forward to move this forward yeah i mean obviously uncle tom too is a good resource uh because it's able to take a second look at this narrative that we've all bought into. Again, regardless of where you're on the political spectrum, we've all bought into this narrative. We know as Christians from the Bible, where it says things like in Isaiah, you know, don't fear what these people fear, but trust God. Uh, We learn also in in the New Testament, test every spirit to see if it's of God. And we read also in the New Testament that, uh, you know, don't uh, uh, be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies. Uh, but trust God. And so what does that mean? That means that we as believers, we as Americans are to be prudent. We are to have our guard up so as to not constantly be taken captive, so as to constantly not be manipulated and false susceptible and pray to this kind of leftist Marxist demagogy. And so it's incumbent upon us as patriots, as conservatives, as Christians uh, to, again, remove these historians, these peddlers of nonsense from their places of being on a pedestal, whether it be, you know, what we're consuming in our house, on what's on a television, and the schools that we send our kids to, the more we continue to feed the beast, to feed the enemy with our own, you know, eyeballs and ears and with our children and putting them in these schools, the more this this kind of ideology is going to continue to be perpetuated into the future. Only we can stop that with the conscious decisions we're making on a daily basis. Uh, that's, that's deep of a lot. I have to honestly say on a personal note, I would much rather listen to Martin Luther King than to listen to Al Sharpton. I'd be right up there with screeching my nails on the chalkboard. Uh, those who don't know history, uh, this is an important thing. That's why a lot of these people who are supporting this socialist communist doctrine don't even know that this is not even an original idea. This, <laughs> this is, I mean, the, the left isn't even creative enough to come up with their, I mean, this is a recycled Lenin Marxist, Stalin, Mussolini, um, dumpster fire that they are now trying to, like everything else, the Biden regime goes, it's really good. 8% inflation, good. Falling up the stairs to Air Force One. Okay, I'm done. I'll see myself out. But we want to keep people, educate, do your homework, 
talk, have the dialogue, be willing to have the discussions like this that uh, we're willing to have to, to move us forward, to get out of this. So this is amazing. This is incredible. So where can people find the documentary? We have two now, Uncle Tom and Uncle Tom 2. Uh, where can they find the documentary? Doctor, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> where can they find the documentary and you and get involved with what you're doing? Yeah, so um, you can find the documentary at UncleTom.com. Uh, we have part one and part two there. Um, you can find me at Chad O. Jackson on YouTube, Twitter, and IG. And we have some other films up our sleeve that we're excited about. So, yeah, UncleTom.com. He gave you the teaser, guys. It's coming. So we're going to have uh, Chad back and we're going to see what else he's involved in because this is how we move it forward. We go into uncomfortable territory. We tackle the things people don't want to talk about, but we need to talk about. But we can't run away from our history. We have to learn from it, accept it, and move forward in what we need to save this country. Chad, thank you for being here with us today. So grateful. Uh, we were going to wrap up, but we are so grateful to have had Chad Jackson, who came out in this cold, blustery day to join us in the studio. Uncle Tom, too. This is a must-see. So for Verbs in the Sentences, Patriots, not only watch this movie, take two people with you, watch it together, discuss. And we're going to close out this Raven's Radar with a quote, and it, it is he who made us. And we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It's been a pleasure to have you patriots on this episode of Raven's Radar. We'll see you soon. <laughs>